Welcome to Pragmatic Talks, a podcast and video series where we discuss startups, contemporary digital product development, modern technologies, and product management. I am Viktor Wolnowski, a CEO of Pragmatic Coders, the first choice software development partners for startup founders. For today's episode, we invited Simon Dawson, head of engineering at Atombank, a fast-growing challenger bank from UK. We will discuss Atombank's history, how they managed to become a competitor to all well-established banks in just a few years, what were their biggest challenges during the scaling process, what is the role of head of engineering, and who should hire such a role. So, welcome everyone. Today we are hosting Simon Dawson, uh, who is head of engineering at Atombank. Uh, welcome, Simon. Thank you, Victor. It's a pleasure to host you here. The very first question that I always ask is, who is Simon Dawson? Yeah, well, so as you say, head of engineering at a bank. Um, I've worked in technology for an awful long time, um, over 25 years. So since since leaving university, I graduated and the, the, the first job I did was working for a bank, um, a big bank in the UK. I joined their graduate um, IT program as it was. And then I worked, you know, I, I then sort of moved into different industries. So I left banking and moved into manufacturing moved into healthcare, then I worked for a very big um, SI um, for a long time and during that time I worked on a, a lot of different client accounts, a lot of UK government work um, and a lot of um, financial services work but I've been at Atom Bank for uh, for five years and I've, I've, I've enjoyed the uh, the experience and the journey that we've been on as, as, as a bank. We are going to talk about this yes. today. So. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you could tell us a little bit more about uh, Adam Bank. Sure. So, so Adam Bank, um, or a UK-only bank, um, we are a mobile-only bank, which is not revolutionary now, but it was revolutionary in 2014, 2015, when the bank was launched. At the time, we were the first bank uh, in the UK, which was mobile app-only. Um, so any customer who wanted to bank with Adam had to download our app from the App Store or the Play Store. Um, and you know, since then, our, our our sort of our ethos has really been about you know how can we create a bank that is as customer centric as possible. Um, how can we pay our savers the best savings rate we can, and um, give our borrowers the the lowest rate we can, which is which is kind of the opposite for most banks. Um, so we are we are trying to do something different and trying to um, disrupt the market. Um, as I say, Adam's been around since 2014, 2015. Um, we it, we launched to a very small customer base and a very small product base. Um, what we do today, we still don't have huge numbers of products. We we focus largely on um, personal savings, so savings accounts which are either fixed by their rate and their term, or instant access where you essentially can save your money. And you can pull your money in and out and move your in and out as much as, as much as you, as you can. So more transactional type banking. Um, we also do mortgages. So mortgages for um, residential customers, so people who want to buy homes. Um, we do loans. We do business loans. And that's, and that's about it. It's not a huge product range. It's a very simple business model. Um, we've got some really great customer ratings. So I don't know if you know, but we're a four... We're a five-star rated app on Android and iOS, and we're 4.8 on Trustpilot. So our customers obviously like us. We're doing something right. 
So uh, what distinguishes your bank from other banks that especially what, what makes you so successful in terms of the customer trust and, and this, this kind of rating of your app? I, I think it's the, so our CEO was talking to us about this last week and I think it's the fact we are trying to do things differently. So when interest rates go up, we pass on the interest rate rise to customers immediately. Most banks don't do that. Yeah. They do something called lead lag, which is they will pass on the rate, but they will wait. And in the period they wait, they will make quite a lot of money. So the in the UK, the Bank of England raised interest rates last Thursday at midday. At 10 p.m. last Thursday, we'd already raised our interest rates for all of our products. No bank does that. So we, the technology allows us to do that. And I'm sure other banks have the technology to allow them to do that, but I'm not. But the, the, it doesn't always transpire that that happens. So I think that's a differentiator. Banks trust at them, mm -hmm. um, and also on the mortgages side, we try to be as competitive as pos possible. So we're not, you know, we're not. We're trying to create a product range where we are competitive around what we're charging people to borrow money at. So there's there's those two things, but there's also ease of use. So we spent a lot of time in the last two years working on the app in terms of trying to make that app in terms of the look and feel and the usability of the app as as, 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 as easy as possible. And I think if you look at the App Store ratings, uh, the Play Store ratings and Trustpilot, you can see that. It's very easy to open an account and fund an account. So th those things combined, I think, give us a, a, a fairly unique proposition in, in the market. Um, and it is, you know, it's it's an ethos to Adam to be as easy uh, uh, to use as possible for customers, whilst also being very competitive on rates. You mentioned about the mortgages. Uh, you mentioned that you want to be as much easy to use as possible, etc. So, could you are you addressing some kind of niche of clients, or are you just addressing the broad market? And if you feel that there are people in the all the all of the segments who who would like to use yeah. such a system. So, I think. Our, you know, our, our current market is, um, in terms of our demographics is probably, um, a more elderly market in terms of that savings proposition, because in the UK, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a large amount of money in that sort of demographic. So that's definitely on the savings on the mortgages side. What we, you know, what we, what we want to do is enable anyone who wants to buy their first house to fund that throughout them. Um, and we're definitely looking at different types of products. So initially we were quite risk averse around mortgages in terms of loan to value and who we would lend money to. We've we've changed that um in, in recent times to increase the increase, you know, the number of customers we have. Um mortgages is an interesting one because it's there is no product out there in the market which is fully in app for mortgages. And we've actually been working on a product to do that for quite some time. Um and we're starting to release features around that. So the whole idea of your mortgage is coming up for renewal and you want to renew your mortgage, um, we want to make that as easy as possible for existing customers so they don't go away and take a mortgage with another lender. So doing all that within app, in app mm -hmm. themselves rather than having to fill in forms, be it website forms or ring contact centers or do all of those other things is part of the uh, as part of the drive we want around mortgages, because there's a lot of business that we could retain. Mm -hmm. It's easier to retain business than than with new business. So that's a that is a focus for our currently for our mortgages value stream. They're working on retentions. Yeah, I mean, it's very important to mention that uh, UK banking market is quite different from others markets in in Europe, from the US, and other stuff. 
And as far as I know, it's like a, there's a lot of paperwork and what you are doing is you are digitalizing this paperwork so make it really yeah. smooth for, for each user. And that, sure. that is something that is very that, that That is distinguishing, very distinguishing. And you're absolutely right, Victor. There is a lot of um, manual processes, in, in particularly in mortgages. Um, so we are trying to digitize that and make that as much in-app as possible and as easy for the customer as possible to say, oh, my mortgage is about to um, come to an end. Let me see what Atom can offer me for a new mortgage and do that all within app. So you're actually moving UK banking into the uh, 21st century. Uh, so... Um... Trying. Trying. <laughs> okay. So I know that you are also not only uh, disturbing the parking products, but also you are uh, doing some things differently in terms of how do you build this product? How do you build the bank? And uh, there are a few things that you're doing differently with, with managing people and, and working day-to-day -day basis. So maybe you can tell about, about this idea more. There is. So, I mean, one of the big things for, for them, and it's been quite a lot in the press, certainly in the press in the UK, and actually, it actually received sort of worldwide coverage when it was a lot, when it announced, is the four-day working week. So, you know, all of our team, whether it's our technology team, our finance team, or le our legal team, our operations team, all of the bank works four-day weeks, four-day week, which is, it's quite revolutionary because we've, we've, all of us have worked a five-day week in, in an office-based type job forever. Mm -hmm. So when, when, when our CEO um, announced about a year and a half ago that he was going to change the bank and move us all to four-day week, we were all a bit, really? Um, but here we are a year and a half later and we are working a four-day week and that, and that, um, that extends to the partners we work with as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Pragmatic Protus team that we work with, they also work four-day week. Yes, so it was also challenging for us uh, to manage the company that the part of the company is working four days a week and, and the parts working uh, uh, five days a week. But it was also very interesting since we can observe the differences between th those two approaches and see and compare uh, which was better. And actually, uh, it's hard to tell which one is, is working better, but I wonder uh, how does it look from, from your perspective? How do you uh, rate it after, after some time already? And I th yeah, I think there's, there's different lenses you can look at it. So we trialed this for quite a long time. It was, it was something we, we implemented, but we always implemented it with a view of we are going to trial this. And during that trial, we're going to gather metrics. We're going to gather metrics across the organization. So, you know, operational metrics, metrics for in terms of the technology metrics, people metrics, how people feel and things like, you know, stress and sick days and all of those things, but also the um, impact on the customer. So ratings of the app and all, all this. So we've gathered all of those metrics and, and broadly those metrics were positive. Mm -hmm. um, when we aligned the, the view pre four day um, to four days. So. There was no reason not to do it. And we also surveyed our people quite regularly and, and took all that feedback. So I think purely on the people side, the vast majority of people really enjoy four day week. And they've 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 adjusted their lives now to fit around that. So they they feel, you know, certainly from the people in, in sort of my team I talk to regularly, they feel Monday to Thursday is pretty tough because mm -hmm. it's long days and you have a lot to do. But then you have a full three-day break. And because we, in technology, we all have the same day off, we don't have dependencies within di across different teams. So that's really positive. Um, I also think it makes you a bit more focused. 
so you have a shorter window of basically getting things done. Um, so you actually are really focused on, well, what am I going to achieve this week? And actually, I can only do that up till Thursday afternoon. We can't do it on Fridays. Because there was a temptation early on to say, well, if we don't finish on Thursday, we'll work Friday. We sort of stopped that. That was a behavior we've seen. But we said, no, that isn't... the not the Friday work. That's not a contingency day. That's, that's just a day if we have real issues and we have to call people out and fix things. So I think broadly, really positive on a, on a sort of... Um, engagement point of view massive massive difference in retention mm-hmm. so, so obviously post-covid adam being a very much a, a technology fintech company probably experienced what most of the other companies experienced and was a lot of a lot of attrition mm-hmm. a lot of people were moving on doing other things four day we almost stopped that overnight mm-hmm. um so it, it massively um helped retention and it also helped um attract really good engineers as well but well, some people, depending on what stage of their life they're in, they looked at the, the four-day week and think that's really an attractive thing for us. And mm-hmm. um, I don't really feel there's any huge negatives. I do feel that you need to be really focused Monday to Thursday, and I think people are. And you just need to be a bit more planning around your releases. So we don't, you know, if we're going to release a new feature in production, we don't do it on a Friday. People aren't around. Yeah. They're, they're, you, we don't want to take that risk. So you then have to think, well, I've got a four-day window because... In that your Friday is your new Saturday. Mm-hmm. You have a four-day window when you're going to release changes. But that isn't... Are, are you releasing on Thursday? We release on Thursday, yeah. Not every week, but we do release on Thursday. We tend to do most of our releases Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's you know, still, as we as we spoke before, that uh, for, for many uh, old banks, let's, let's call them, like release, considering if we should release on Friday or, or, or Tuesday or, or one particular day a week, uh, is something uh, pretty unusual because some of them, at least, or maybe not all of them, but some of them struggle to release like once a month or once yeah. a quarter. Uh, some of them even releasing once a year. So, like the problem that you have, or maybe not the problem, but actually the question that you that you that you are trying to answer, if you should release on Friday when no one is there, is actually still way in the front of of your competitors. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's a nice problem to have. Because we have that capability to do that, we're just exactly. choosing not to because we don't have the wider team around on the Friday. So Atom Bank is not a startup anymore. It's it's more like a like a scale of how many people do you have right now? So the company now is around about four hundred and fifty. Right. So you, you're absolutely right. It's not. It's moved beyond that startup mentality now. In terms of the cultures change, I mean, I've been around for for almost five years, mm-hmm. and I've seen a big change in that how the culture of the organization changing how the organization's matured and the organization is much more now on a product basis so we're much we're thinking more about products so we we've recently reorganized into what we call value streams Mm -hmm. so you know within the bank we have five value streams and we have mortgages we have savings we have business banking enterprise and platform and it's not a an unusual way to set yourself up in terms of you know industry thinking, um, but we would never have been mature enough to do that two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very much in a at that point we were very much in a starting to to build our team and build our platform and build our app. Mm-hmm. That's all in place. It for us now it's all around um, agility, speed, and 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 scaling and scaling, but scaling safely. Reputation, brand awareness is pretty big now, so we don't want to 
scale, but scale in a way that it's not sustainable. So stability of the system is something that is very important. Massively important, massively important. We have, um, we have a huge amount of metrics around customer traffic, customer volume, and in the background, we're doing a, a huge amount of work around understanding where the constraints are in the system. So where your bottlenecks are. So we fix one constraint, we move on to the next one. And that's the way we're trying to tackle our, you know, our business plan says we're going to have X number of customers in the next five years. Well, we want to know, can our system sustain that number of customers? At what point do we start to hit issues and then where do we hit those issues? So that's, it's not something we really talk about hugely outside of engineering, but that's what we're focused on massively at the moment is around the, how much does the system scale? So how the how Atom Bank looked like when you joined like five years ago? How many people was there and and oh, well, so when I joined five years ago, there would be less within the entire bank. There'd be less than hundred people. Mm -hmm. The technology team was largely outsourced. Mm -hmm. So the bank, you know, we talk about the the old bank and the new bank. The old bank was largely a managed service run by a, a you know a, another another company. And we had a very small technology team within Adam. The intent was always to build our build a new bank mm -hmm. on the cloud, and at the same time build a team and build new apps. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Clearly, we've we've achieved that. Um, but you know, we had lots of things in flight at the same time. So we were: how do we move the bank from on-prem to cloud? How do we rebuild the app? Because the original app was actually written in Unity, which is a games engine, mm -hmm. which is which was troublesome, it was difficult to test and difficult to uh, release uh, frequently. Um, so that, but also how did we build capability? Because all of the capability was for the company who uh, did, you know, looked after the existing bank. So we had all those three things to consider. And my role initially was how do we move the bank to the cloud? So did some of the architecture on how we did that. And then once we started that work, it was very quickly, well, what team do we need to do the work? How do we build that team? So it was very much, you know, build and scale in the team. And my initial team was um, three people. So myself and two SREs. One of them is still with us. Obviously I am. And now engineering is around about 80 people. And technology is around about 150. So it, it, it's grown pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, in terms of the full company, it's four and a half times grow. In five years and in terms of the engineering from three to 150 is like 50 times more yeah so. but but one thing about atom that the, the the business model around atom is also around scaling the bank in terms of number of customers number of customer deposits number of loans but not scaling the workforce so we're using automation so we'll probably get to around 500 uh employees mm -hmm. yeah um but you know we're not looking to massively scale the workforce as we scale the customer base because we want to be an automated lean buy-in. Yes, that's, that's actually a great, great idea to focus especially right now during the recession and other stuff where, where everyone is cutting cost and, and optimizing uh, everything that's possible. Uh, I think you are in a great position to, 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 to be uh, right now to, to actually uh, compete with others. Um, in terms of the people, they already tell, tell us a little bit more, uh, tell us a lot about how, how does it change during the time. What about the product and your product focus? Like what was the challenges uh, five years ago or four or five years ago and what are the challenges right now? So, I mean, five years ago, we weren't thinking ourselves as a product company. 
we were thinking around, you know, we have an app. Um, it's not native. We have a banging platform. It's on-prem and doesn't scale well. Mm -hmm. So it was very much a technology challenges. So, you know, the technology wasn't able to underpin what the business wanted it to do. So we need to create a scalable banking platform. How do we do that? So move that to the cloud. Now, obviously that's easier said than done and takes time and effort and money. Um, but also the app itself, um, we need, we needed to rewrite the app. So re rewrite the app in, in a native um, way. We did that and, you know, a couple of years ago, we started thinking, well, actually we've done this now The the challenges are less technological. They're more around how do we align the organization? How do we align our technology team and the wider bank to, you know, better, better serve the sort of the un underpin the business plan around the key pillars of growth around mortgages or on savings or on business banking. So we're much more thinking like a product company. Um, which we would never have been able to do before. And, and, and previously we, we, you know, we only had, um, we still had a savings and a mortgages product, but we didn't have the capability to create new product ranges. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had a very much a, a fixed rate saver product, but because we knew the bank wasn't particularly scalable, we didn't want to create a product which was much more transactional because then we would have created, you know, constraint. Like we knew the constraints we couldn't fix on the existing bank. So what are the current challenges? Like what, what is the most challenging right now? Or maybe there are some opportunities that you are uh, going to chase for. The, the, the challenges now, um, I think are largely around prioritization of what do we work on? Mm -hmm. Because whilst we have all of these value streams, there, we always have that, you know, time cost quality, um, conundrum and we only have a finite number of people. We only have a finite number of money, amount of money, and we don't want to compromise on quality. We've worked really hard to get the customer ratings where they are. Mm -hmm. We don't want to cut corners to basically, you know, damage the brand. So I think it's now really the challenges at a very, very senior level in the bank are around one of the most important things we need to prioritize our finite number of resources to work on um, and deliver. I've got no issues that we could deliver them, um, we do have a few technological challenges, as I say, so there's still some constraints within the cloud platform because we didn't rebuild everything. We lifted and shifted some, you know, older legacy technology and we are starting to chip away at moving those. So, you know, there's, there's, there's one system we've recently retired. We're looking to retire another one. Um, and all of that is around those, those systems just aren't really cloud native. They're not easy to scale. They cost an awful lot of money, and they're they're fairly proprietary in terms of how you develop um, products on them. So we're doing that, and I think probably the last thing is around um, the agility part around being able to quickly, um, you know, proof of concept an idea and take that idea into working software. Mm -hmm. So our our aim really is we need to speed up that flow. So the way we've optimized our teams is nothing to do with utilization it's more on flow of work so you're optimizing time to markets time to market that is exactly what we're optimizing right now whereas i think previously we were optimizing purely around utilization and how busy were the teams and you know how many story points were we doing and all of this type of stuff do you think that changing to four days work week has an impact on that somehow 
Yes. Okay, changing your mindset in, in, in terms of, okay, so we limited the time that we have, so we shouldn't focus on the utilization anymore. We can, we should focus on the vibe that we can deliver in this short time. I think that's a very good point, Victor. And I think that's definitely something that we've observed. Um, because with a four day a week, time can run away mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, you're working in a sprint and you've got eight days within this two week sprint rather than 10 days. And mm -hmm. you've got, you know, um, a limited window when you can release out of the back, out the back of that sprint. So we are definitely thinking more around making sure that the teams have all of the skills and expertise within the team to deliver without having external dependency, which is previously not something we paid as much attention to. So actually adding this, this constraint of one, one day less work a week actually make you stronger and, and more focused as you mentioned before. I, I think so. I think so because I think it's um it's really um it's really focused our minds. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I don't think we're ever gonna go back to five day weeks. So this is the way we are going to work. Mm -hmm. and so we need to figure figure out how to do this efficiently. Exactly. Yeah. Right. This is something that I haven't thought about uh, when considering four days a week. Okay, um I wonder if, if there was uh, any impact of Brexit or COVID nineteen on your on your day to day business. So Brexit's an interesting one. I mean, the Atom app, as it stands, is a UK app. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the app's actually geofenced. You can't download the app um, if you're in Europe, um, which was a bit of a challenge for the Pragmatic team initially yeah. when we had the, the guys working on the mobile app who you know wanted to download the app. Let's think of this stuff here. Yeah, so that was a challenge. But um, in terms of our business plan, I don't think Brexit is massively impacted in that we were never looking to expand into other markets. Mm -hmm. It has impacted a bit on our um, the way, in terms of our people, in terms of, you know, we 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 have a nearshore centre in Poland, which mm -hmm. I think has been a, a great success. Um, but it's possibly more difficult to navigate how do you turn that into being actually part of Adam versus working with Pragmatic mm -hmm. post Brexit. I think that's probably a bit more challenging now. Um, but I don't think it's been a huge impact. COVID-19 has been a, been a bigger impact. So what we initially saw with COVID was, um, bizarrely, it really helped Adam because the products we had at that time mm -hmm. were products that customers were using. Savings accounts, mm -hmm. mortgages, the UK market. And I'm not sure how the Polish market was, but the UK market was very much, everyone was locked down. They couldn't spend money on a lot of things. Yeah. If they had money, they were either saving the money and also the housing market, people were deciding to move out of the city into the country. And so the products we had were, it was really quite fortunate that for us as a business, we didn't get impacted mm -hmm. at all. In fact, it was the, the opposite. It actually improved our business um, performance, but it had a huge impact on our teams because I remember at the time working on, you know, we were actually in the middle of migrating the bank from the uh, on-prem to the cloud and we, 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 we probably had burnout to a lot of our teams because again, we didn't have a lot else to do. So people were just working and there was always a lot of work. So we, we really came out the back of that with a lot of people mm -hmm. feeling pretty burnt out and stressed. And, and then we had the whole great resignation. So post COVID, um, a lot of remote working, a lot of really good engineers. We lost to cryptocurrency companies, uh, a lot of cybersecurity companies, a lot of, a lot of. A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of my team left to one particular crypto company um, and, you know, it was really difficult to lose that many good people at one point in time. 
And what well, they are doing right now because of the crypto internet. That is... Well, I, some of them want to come back. <laughs> so, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so, um, it's, but it's, but it, it had a huge impact on our, on our capability. We, we went from being a very highly capable team to, to having a dip because we lost so much experience in a short space of time. Um, and I spent most of 2021, um, almost working as a recruitment consultant, trying to rebuild a team. Um, then we had the four day week initiative and, and that kind of Change. 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 So um COVID nineteen massive, massive, massive impact. And it, and I think it's impacted all our businesses. You know, we don't we no longer work in the office full time. It's very much a hybrid working mm-hmm. environment. Um which I actually like and I think the team like, but um it has changed things in terms of how we work. Okay. Um maybe let's talk a little bit about a little bit more about your uh, role. At Atom Bank, you're head of engineering. I, I believe that many people who are just starting their their startup journey, they wonder what is the role of head of engineering, or what are your responsibilities, uh, and maybe some of the people who are listening to us or, or watching uh, would be interested uh, if they should or when they should hire a head of engineering for their startup. It's a really good question, um, and 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 it kind of depends on um, on where you are in your journey. And so so if you if I think if I take the Atom example. Um, we probably, our first engineering was probably a high ed or, or we created that role about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me at the time I was sort of, um, I was leading our SRA team, mm-hmm. but we were very siloed. Um, what I, what I, what I think my role is, um, is largely around the capability of engineering. So overseeing all of our, we, we split it fairly, fairly industry standard around front end technologies, back end technologies testing and SRE. And all of those four areas um, have engineering managers um, and all of those engineering managers sort of um, are part of the engineering leadership team alongside myself. So my role really is to make sure that the engineering practices, capabilities, disciplines that we have in the bank are as good as they can be for the bank. I don't directly work in delivery, although I am all of my team works in delivery. So ultimately I am accountable for delivery, but I'm not responsible for the day-to-day delivery. It's for me, it's about size and scale. So I think once you get to a certain size, you need to think around, well, you have a big team of developers, but actually who's actually coaching those developers, who's mentoring those developers, who's leading the developers. So you need to look at that and that that is is something you need to consider. I think when you're when you're in the double figures of developers, mm-hmm. um, and and we're obviously at about eighty developers, I I clearly can't have one to ones with every developer and don't. But I do have, you know, I will mm-hmm. be available to discuss anything with any of the developers when they need to. But I have a team who look after each of those different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not hands on anymore. Um, I do keep abreast on one technologies because that's part of my job to make sure that our engineering team is, um, you know, as, as, as good as we can be for the bank. I'm not sat writing code. I am reviewing code and I am reviewing code and standards and I am mm-hmm. reviewing Sunacube outputs and reviewing test, how we're doing test automation and, and trying to set some, um, some direction on that and um, looking at modern engineering practices. But I, I, I think you need to look at your, your sort of scale, your size and, and and, and where, where, where do you want to go with your organization? Um, if you're very much a build versus buy, then you're going to have an engineer team. You're going to need someone to 
lead that engineering team. So, um, in terms of scaling, uh, what what advices you would give to people who who are already maybe working on their product, uh, working on their startups, uh, and um, they see that they will need to scale up their business pretty soon? How they should prepare for that? What they can do right now? It depends oh, yeah. on, on, <laughs> yeah. on the business and yeah. and what their 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 business goals are. So, so maybe there are some common mistakes that you've seen in the past, or or maybe there are some things that you think that you could done better when you were like five years ago here. If I think of the atom experience I have, um, I think you should never lose lose sight of where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to really think long term because. So many things change, and a lot of things change that are outside of your control mm-hmm. completely. So uh, you know, Adam has been around for several years, and there's been lots of external influences that have impacted the way the bank is going. Um, but I think you need to not lose sight of what your your end goal is, and and try and plot your way to that point. At what point do you need to, um, you know, hire more people? What is your strategy around um, your technology? Are you at what point are you going to build versus buy in terms of the scale of, you know, if it's a commodity, well, you're probably better off buying something because mm-hmm. do you really want to focus your engineering resource on building the commodity item versus building something that adds value to your business? Innovations. Exactly. So you you work, if you, if you work that out, you can plot at a sort of technology engineering level how you need to build and scale and grow that business. So I think you really need to sort of Ask yourself the question on the build versus buy on the product side, but also what's the business goals and what do you need to do to get to the business goals? Sometimes I think when you 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 look at, I've got a business plan, but then you do B to A planet. This is where I want to be, but actually I haven't worked out how I'm going to achieve that. So it would, in my experience, it's better to think about how you're going to achieve it rather than set these goals because I think we, in Adam, have set goals in the past. Mm-hmm. With the right, you know, with the right intent, with as much information as we've had at that time, but actually, when you get further down the line, you realize those, those goals were never really realistic. Mm-hmm. So I think you do need to set some, 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 you know, plot a way to hitting those business goals rather than say, well, this is what I want to do within twelve months, da da da, and then think about how you want to do it, mm-hmm. which is a common mistake I think we as a bite of of um of experience. The other thing is I think it's particularly for um, investor-led companies like Adam, it's very difficult to change tack and strategy because you obviously, you have investors who clearly invested money in your business and would like to, you know, do things in a certain way and you may want to do things in another way. So it's it's important, you know, change is a constant. I think that's the only thing constant in my eye is change. But also, but don't just change for change just sitting. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we have flip flopped, and that has created a bit of confusion and slowed us down. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to to um, not do that, but it's something to be aware of. Uh, you said you said that uh, it's very important to focus on goals, on setting up the goals uh, for for startup in terms of the goals. What are Atom Bank goals right now, or wh- where do you want to see Atom Bank in the next five to ten years? Good question. So, um, 
I think the the main goal for Adam, and it's and you know this is something we've we've talked about publicly, is is is, is an IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's no secret that we want to flow the company, mm-hmm. um, and we want to do that within certainly within the next five years. I think ideally within the next two. But a lot of that is not um, is not dependent on Adam's performance. Clearly, that is important, but it's de- it depends on the market mm-hmm. conditions. Um, yeah. I think you know possibly we would have been closer to that goal um, than we are if the, the the world economy had not suffered the way it has mm-hmm. in the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly the number one goal. I think the other goal would be um, to, you know, increase our savings balances, increase the number of customers, increase the number of mortgages we, we provide to our customers, um, increase the number of business loans. So, so, so grow the bank, scale the bank. From a technology point of view, we built the bank to scale. Mm-hmm. You know, we're pretty confident we can handle more customers, we can handle more volume. We now need to create the products and to get the, to get those customers. And and I'm happy to say the bank is grown quite quite fast. So in the next five to ten years, you would like to have like a bigger bank, bigger bank. I think I think in the next certainly in the next two to three years, um, the bank will be probably a medium sized bank mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, you know, and and I I wouldn't like to say how many customers that mm-hmm. would be, or you know, the the size of the sort of um, balances and deposits. But I think we'll be classed as a medium sized bank. Cool. It's actually a quite fast journey since Atombank was started. Thanks to thousands. Well, yeah. If you look at um, you know, I think within ten years we'll have gone from nothing to um, a medium sized bank. It's awesome. Sure, yeah. and, and possible flotation. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, okay, so uh, you've been already working for some time with Pragmatic Colors, so actually for a second brand, NXT, which is more focused on build operate transfer for, for scale-ups. Was there anything that surprised you when you started working with, with our team? What surprised me the most was actually how easy it was. Mm-hmm. So obviously we, um, you know, we, we selected uh, Pragmatic to work with us. Um, we went through a, a selection process and you guys will, which is great. And then we start the whole process of, well, these are the type of um, roles we need to fill. Um, so pragmatic, can you go in, find these people and interview them and then we'll interview them. Um, and that was quick. It was really quite quick in how we did that. Um, but then the actual, the onboarding process, which had some teeth and challenges because it's not easy to do to onboard, um, you know, a group of people in Poland into a UK company, which in a company that we'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. We had a few teams and challenges, but once we'd overcome those, it was, that again was quite, um, I think it was quite smooth and quite quick for the teams to, to get up to speed and start bonding with other teams. But um, I, I mean, I've been, personally, I've been impressed by the, 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 the quality of the people who are working. And I know a lot of my colleagues in the UK feel the same. So we've got some really good engineers now um, who we really rely on. Um, and and I think the the relationship with with Pragmatics good, so I think that was very, it's been very very easy working with Pragmatic and not you know I think sometimes in these relationships you can get caught up in red tape and bureaucracy and I'd like to think we haven't done that it's mm-hmm. been a much more um, pragmatic pardon the pun relationship. It wasn't easy to not to dive into this bureaucracy, but uh, but we managed it's together. I think we've managed to avoid most of it yeah. and focus on what was the real goal, which was actually 
really quickly build in a team which will in increase our capability. So maybe you have some advices for people who may be looking uh, such as services like, as you said, that focusing on, on what to build on site, what to outsource or what to actually buy on uh, somewhere else. So uh, maybe you have some advices for, for startup founders or, or people who are managing startups. Uh, what to focus on when selecting the partners uh, for, for such an endeavor and uh, how to select them, what to look for? Big thing for me is cultural fit. So um, we've worked with some big companies, really big companies. Adam aren't a huge company um, and that hasn't worked out that well. Um, I've worked for some huge companies. So I, and I know how those companies operate and, and I think you need to think around cultural fit and because, you know, where we've fallen into the trap of working with some of the bigger companies, the brochure wears fantastic, mm -hmm. but the actual people that you, um, you, you get to work with you, because we're a smallish company, you're not getting the, 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 the real top mm -hmm. talent from that company. So it, it, the experience is not great. So I think you think about cultural fit and, um, and, and around what type of skills are you looking for and does that company who you're looking at do they have expertise do they have credentials big thing for me is that credentials um i think you know i do a lot of business in the uk with people who i've worked with previously okay. a lot of my team i've worked with and in other places and it's it's a known quantity you know what you're getting you know that these people can do the job um so i think when you're looking at um, working with 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 third parties, you need to look at what the credentials and actually, do they have the do they have credentials in the industry that you're operating in? Because a fintech company working in banking is very different to a technology company um, providing streaming services. Very different. Quite, quite a different. Very different. So you, you kind of even though there may be a technology fit in terms of the skill sets of the people. Is there a fit around the environment that they work in, you know, how regulated banking is? So that's important. Really, it's really important. Um, we, we see this one since we have a lot of clients from fintech. Uh, we see that how important it is to actually be aware of some regulations. And sometimes even our clients are not aware of that. So we need to guide them on, on that. The same with digital health or, or medtech uh, companies that we are working with. Like there's plenty of regulations. And, and some things that, that cannot be done the same way as, for example, in social media platforms or, or streaming or whatever, so e-commerce. For sure, yeah. yeah. So is it the culture, the size of the company matters, actually? It, it does. It, re it, it really does because I, I don't, you know, I, I've had a few, ex as I say, I've had a few experiences with very large companies with Adam and it hasn't been great. And I think it's because we were not, not a large enough company <laughs> in terms of, to be as important to get access to the right people. So mm -hmm. uh, maybe the You also mentioned the credentials. What what else and and how to assess it? How to test the the potential partner before you start working with them? Well, I mean our our standard, um, it, which is probably no different to most places, is you know we would go out with a, an RFP type process where we'd ask a number of questions and. We'd ask the companies to to come, you know, provide responses to those questions, and then we would score those independently across the team. Um, but we'd also do a lot of research on who was the, who are those companies working for, who of the, um, you know, has anyone in our business actually worked with them before? Because that counts for a lot as well. Um, and 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 just to try and get a general feel of what if they don't, because the actual look and feel of a company from a brochure in terms of the website or 
whatever other social media comms versus what they actually delivered is important. You know, have they got a reputation for delivery? Because ultimately, when you're working with a partner, you want them to deliver something for you. Um, so it's important to, to look behind, but, but try and look beyond the veneer and see what actually ha ha have they done. At the end of the day, you're paying for delivering yeah, value. Yeah, exactly. Is and um, and I think we've done a good job with pragmatic because I, as I say, I am really I am happy with what we've achieved together. Um, and interestingly, I wasn't involved in the bid process, so I wasn't involved in any of the selection. So I came in and 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 managed the relationship once you guys were selected. And so. I think I, I went through all ways and we have like a few other side topics that, that, that we already covered. So, uh, Simon, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Uh, I'm pretty sure that what we, what we talk about today will be very beneficial for, for people who are working on the startups, uh, right now and anyone who, who is working on the, on the product development and especially people who are going to scale a business or maybe already struggling with, with scaling it. So thank you very much. And I hope we'll uh, repeat it sometime again. Uh, I'm sure we will, Victor. And thank you, thank you for having me in, in Krakow. As you know, I always like to come and visit you in Krakow. You're always welcome here. So. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Pragmatic Talks is delivered to you by Pragmatic Colors, the first choice software development partners for startup founders. Be sure to catch all new episodes. Subscribe to our YouTube, Spotify or Apple podcast channels. And if you are thinking about building your own startup or struggling with product development, contact us and find out what we can do together.